The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things I want to talk to you about as baseball season approach. Go check out the quantedge.com. You know, at Fantasy Sports DJs, you got your season-long information. You'll have MLB, DFS, Quick Hits, tons of baseball stuff for you. But the quantedge.com is just unleashing a slew of awesome baseball tools, batter versus pitch types, part factors, weather, an amazing lineup optimizer. I've checked out the basketball and football optimizers. The baseball one goes live on Wednesday. Going to be awesome. I'm going to be riding there four to five times a week doing a hitting preview for each slate, plus my Quick Hits podcast. will be free at all times, but if you want the, the article and many other articles, you got to get the season pass. In order to get the season pass at a discount, use promo code Bubba for $25 off your season pass at thequantedge.com. Promo code Bubba, $25 off the season pass. You won't regret it. The Discord chat's amazing. They have, like I said, awesome tools, and they're developing more and more. I actually I had a few more ideas. They listen to what us fantasy players like, and they make it happen. So go check it out, thequantedge.com. Promo code Bubba for $25 off the MLB season pass. Hey, they have a betting tool over there for all sports, including baseball. If you want to make some bets, go to mybookie.ag. Awesome place to make wagers. Friendly lines, great lines. We use them for the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast. You got more March Madness coming up this weekend. Tons of cool stuff over there. You can use promo code Sport or no promo code Benched. Use promo code Benched. You get a fifty percent first time deposit bonus. So up to a thousand dollars. So if you want to deposit a uh, hundred bucks, you get a free fifty dollars by using promo code Benched. Five hundred dollars gets you free two fifty. So on and so forth. Tons of cool stuff over there at mybookie.ag, promo code Benched. Again, if you go to the Quant Edge, use promo code Bubba for $25 off the season pass. You'll get the betting package. Go to mybookie.ag, use promo code Benched for a 50% first-time deposit bonus. Make all your baseball wagers. See how this works? Synchronicity, people. Great times. Also, if you go give a rating and review over on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. It helped me out a ton, moved me up the rankings, all that good stuff. This is an awesome episode tonight with Frank Stanfield uh, of FNTSY Radio and so much more. Has his own Patreon account. Great stuff. Literally, as we ended the episode, Fernando Tatis Jr. announced up in the bigs. Luis Urias going down. That is huge for Tatis Jr. I wasn't overly huge on him because I thought he was going to be stuck in the minors for like half the season, but he's not. Great stuff here. So go check that out. All that information. But for now, episode 156, Bench with Bubba, Frank Stanfield. Check it out. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode one fifty six. Uh, we actually have some news to talk about for once. It's been a slow off season when it comes to news, but we are busy now as the baseball season starts in two days. So we're going to talk a lot of fantasy baseball news. In order to do so, joined by a special guest, you can find him on Twitter at roto underscore frank frank stanfield. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I uh, started following you uh, early, earlier this year, or late last year, whatever it was. And it's been fun kind of getting to know you through the Twitter, Twitterverse as it all begins and uh, get to check, uh, listen to your show and everything. So it's, it's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, before we get rocking and rolling with all the news, why don't you let everybody know what you got going on as you're a busy, busy man. Yeah, you can find me over at the Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, we do the Fantasy BFFs Monday through Friday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Live, Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page. So I'm doing that every day with Greg Sussman, my co-host. Uh, we like to get as many guests on as possible. We, you know, we try to have fun. We sing and dance a little bit. We talk a little bit of fantasy as well. Uh, and then you can catch my my writing work that I do over at my Patreon. So I've plugged that all over my Twitter. Uh, you can find it. You know, I'm constantly tweeting out about it. But, yeah, Patreon and uh, the Fantasy Sports Network weekdays, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. Awesome. Everybody go check it out and go support the cause. Um, as, as a guy that does it for uh, – well, not for a living. I love to do it for a living. But does it on the <laughs> side is it uh, – it is uh, a lot of work and a lot of unpaid work at times. So go check it out. Give him some support and uh, see what he's got as he's a very, very smart guy in this deal. And that's what we're going to talk to him about, some recent news here. We'll kick it off. It seems like every day there's at least one injury, if not two or three, that keeps coming down the pipeline. And it's pretty depressing because it's actually big names. So we'll kick it off with Matt Olson, which happened over in Japan. But you knew it was bad when he swung and couldn't grip a bat afterwards. He has a handmade injury, had surgery, no official timetable, roughly you expect from previous events, eight to 12 weeks, maybe longer. Um, if you have Matt Olson, what are you doing with Matt Olson? How are you trying to replace Matt Olson? Oh, man, this is a great question, too, because I was all over Matt Olson, very excited about him coming into the year. Uh, I thought he made great strides last year in terms of the contact he was making, uh, what he was able to do against left-handed pitching. I was really, really excited. I, I saw you know, a 35-plus home run season coming here for Matt Olson, and I actually have a few shares. So it's, um, it's not great. It's not great, especially in 15-team Roto Leagues. I mean, it's hard to replace uh, production that I was expecting from him. I mean, you could look in-house with the Oakland A's. I know a lot of people are looking at Chad Pender, who's going to play in the middle infield, and then they could slide jerks and pro far over to first base. I think they do that a lot of the time here uh, with the injury to Matt Olson. Um, maybe they get Marcana in there a little bit against left-handed pitching, but really not expecting much. I know a lot of people are excited about Chad Pender, uh, kind of a stat cast hero, hits the ball extremely hard, might have 20-plus home run upside from the middle infield position. But in terms of how I'm replacing him, Look, in 12-team leagues, it's obviously a lot easier. I'm looking at guys like Ryan O'Hearn. I actually think, you know, O'Hearn could give you something similar to what we were expecting from Chapman, uh, from Maddles, and maybe not the same home run upside, but hits the ball hard as well, puts the ball in the air. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people are excited about O'Hearn this year. Not a great ballpark to hit in in Kansas City, but uh, I think similar production in terms of what we're expecting power-wise. Uh, a name that I've actually picked up in a few 15-team leagues, and I know some people might scoff at this. They might find it gross, but Hanley Ramirez, man, I, I, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done yet. You know, I saw a few swings here in the spring where he's looking like, you know, uh, Hanley from a couple of years ago. I think he's going to play every single day with Cleveland. That's not a great lineup. I understand it. But uh, because it's not a great lineup, I think he's going to get to play every single day. So uh, especially once Lindor and Jose Ramirez get back and, and ready to go, I think the lineup will get better. Um, so I think, you know, 12-team leagues, it's a little bit easier. Maybe O'Hearn, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, Brandon Belt, something like that. But in deeper leagues, uh, I've taken a few stats here at uh, at Hanley Ramirez. I know it's not great, but, you know, if 15-team leagues, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you nailed it. In 12-team leagues, there's replacement value out there. Guys like Brandon Belt, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, heck, I'm in a 15-team league, and Ryan Zimmerman's my starting first baseman. It's not ideal, but that's what you do in deeper leagues. Um, but, yeah, I, I was big on Matt Olson this year. I thought a lot of power to come there. I like the Ryan O'Hearn comparison. We, we saw him a lot in September last year as a call-up for the Royals. There's a lot of power there. Plate discipline, not ideal, but that'll come with age, hopefully. And, and the Hanley call, I don't hate it. I, I get where you're like, where people are going to look at it and go, what is what is Frank doing? But um, you got to think about it. They brought him in for a reason. They kept him up. He's got a minor league deal. So if they let him go, he could be gone. They can't just keep him down in the minors. He's got rights as a veteran to go somewhere else. Um, and that team, they've done it all offseason. They really haven't shown – it's been confusing what they've done this offseason. Like they've had Matt Joyce to let Matt Joyce go. They could have went and got other guys to go get Cargo and Hanley. Um, they're trying to trade away their best pitchers, but they're still kind of competitive. It, it's really weird what the Indians are doing. So Hanley is going to get a shot, basically, is what all that uh, stuttering came down to. He's going to get a shot. And he's going to be available on your waiver wires in deep leagues. So I don't hate that at all. 
Let's go to the Reds. This is really depressing because two guys, it was supposed to be about one injury, but now there's two um, that I, I was a big fan of this year. A lot of people were. Scooter Jeanette to start with, um, big-time groin injury. He's out for a while, a few months, um, and that's going to be interesting to see how his power comes back when his groin's messed up and all that good stuff. So we'll start with Scooter. What are you doing with Scooter Jeanette replacement-wise? Yeah, Scooter Jeanette. I mean, again, looking in-house here at Cincinnati, they've already said that they're going to move Jose Peraza over to – Second base, so he'll have that dual eligibility, which always helps for fantasy. And then they're going to use uh, Jose Iglesias there at shortstop. Uh, great defensive player, but not going to offer much uh, offensively. Yeah, I mean, this sucks for Scooter Jeanette. I mean, you're, you're expecting a good batting average, you know, close to 25 home runs and a great lineup here uh, with Cincinnati. He was going to hit at the top of it. Um, but replacing him-wise... I mean, uh, again, this isn't going to be so easy. You know, I'm looking at some of the most added here on Yahoo. It's like Nico Goodrum, and he could play all over the place. Jeff McNeil. I mean, Jeff McNeil, if he's floating around out there, I mean, great contact skills. I think he's going to play every single day for the Mets, especially early on uh, while Jed Lowry is dealing with the the injury there. Um, So I I like Jeff McNeil there. Looking at uh, Kike Hernandez, too. I think Kike Hernandez is an interesting name to bring up here because uh, named the starting second baseman. Some people might have missed it. I know uh, you know all of fantasy Twitter has been talking about it. Chris Taylor, more of the super utility guy here uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But, yeah, Kike going to get the opportunity to play every single day. And, and I've said this on my show as well. Uh, any middle infielder that has 20-plus home run upside, definitely worth looking at. I mean, even in 12-team leagues, I would say. So I think Kike Hernandez uh, fits that bill. Tim Beckham, another one who fits that bill, who has 20-plus home run upside. He did it two years ago with a two seventy eight batting average. Pretty good. So we'll see if he can bounce back this year. I know everyone already saw the home run uh, from Japan with, with a crazy bat the flip bat there. Flip. Uh, I think on that bat flip alone, you should probably just add Tim Beckham off exactly. your waiver wire. Uh, but yeah, those are a few names at the middle infield. We mentioned Chad Pinder early on. I think he's going to get an opportunity to play. So, you know, Pinder, Kike Hernandez, looking at that. I mean, yeah, it sucks the Nick Sengel injury too uh, with Cincinnati here. But yeah, man, it's like we need the season to start because these guys are already dropping like flies. Like it's crazy over the past week. It's like so many injuries have already taken place. It's like let's let's just start the season already, man. <laughs> yeah, it's bad, bad. Yeah, you mentioned swipe right, Chad Pinder. That's a a really, really uh, popular name and a good name. The dude is talented. You said it earlier, StatCast wizard. But uh, I love the Kike call. Uh, I really, really like him. I was preaching him earlier this offseason. Even if he or if, if he was going to get 400 at-bats in like a super utility role, he was still getting over 20 home runs last year. Like this guy is really, really good. He's not just a lefty masher. Last year he really worked on hitting righties much, much better. There's a lot to like with him. And I think it shows that's why they're giving him an everyday second base job. Um, he can play the outfield. He can play all over the infield. Very, very good in this club. And the fact that, like I said, he can't hit righties is tremendous. So I like that call. If he's out there, I'd, I'd, I'd find a spot for him, even if he didn't have Scooter Jr. I think he's going to have a big, big year getting every day at bats. There's a lot to like there with Kiki. So very interesting. Uh, yeah, Nixon Zell, he's out. Uh, they, he's in a boot for 7 to 14 days, and there's no timetable for return. It's a severely sprained ankle. So it's just another season where Nixon's L so close to getting here and then he gets hurt. So nothing we can do about that. Let's talk Brew Crew, the um, you know, defending NL Central champions. Very, very fun ball club. Had a lights out bullpen. It's starting to get a little shaky now. Jeremy Jeffers is having some issues. He should be back, if not at the start of the season, really early. But Corey Kniebel, he's got he's apparently already had a UCL tear, not fully torn though for those that understand the lingo there. So it's not a full, full Tommy John need, but he heard it again. And now he might need Tommy John. He's looking for a, I believe, a third opinion now. If you're looking for a third opinion, that's really not good. That's like you're trying to have someone validate something that's not there. This bullpen was lights out. If Knievel's out, Jeffers shaky, are you running the Josh Hader or is there something else you're looking at there? Yeah, this is an interesting one here because Josh Hader, I think they want to use him in the role that they've, you know, they've they have, you know, over the past year, uh, that kind of swingman role where they could use him in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, even if they wanted to. Uh, it's really just uh, wherever the toughest matchups are coming up. So I think they still want to use Josh Hader in that role. But I would say, you know, the season is going to start in a few days here. I think he gets the save opportunities to start. I mean, looking at the back end of this bullpen, who else is there? Matt Albers has some experience closing, but uh, really not great. I mean, he's bounced around a little bit. Jacob Barnes is a name that has popped up here and there uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. So 
maybe one of those names. I mean, if I had to choose one of those guys to speculate on in, you know, 15 teamers or maybe NO only, I, I would lean more so with Barnes than I would with uh, with Matt Albers. But uh, I do think Josh Hader is going to get the save opportunities. I'm really uh, interested as to why the Brewers haven't gone harder after Craig Kimbrell. I don't know if it's, you know, the asking price because we know what Kimbrell was asking for early on in the in the baseball offseason. And, you know, he had some crazy demands. So I don't, I don't know if it uh, you know, if it has to come back down to that, if he's really going to sit out like an entire season or what's going to happen with Kimbrell here, uh, they signed Alex Wilson <laughs> instead of Craig Kimbrell. So I guess they just wanted another arm in the back end of the bullpen. If it's me, I think it's a lot of save opportunities to Josh Hader. Uh, but if they need him early on in the game, maybe they go to a guy like Jacob Barnes. He's probably the one I would speculate on in deeper leagues. Yeah, I like that call. It is weird. The Kimbrel thing was it was going so hot, and that was even before Kniebel was hurt. Like they were going for him, and then it just goes away when you think you need him the most. The other kind of spin on this is the bullpen was super strong. It was still really good, but it became really good because Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns and uh, Brandon Woodruff, all guys that were possible options in the bullpen, either long relief or just other you know spot starts here and there, opener type guys, they're in the starting rotation. And that is something that different fantasy people have been talking all offseason. Can I get this guy, this guy, or this guy? Well, all three of them made it. If you have to look at those three going into this season, and you know some might be on innings limits, Burns has never made a career start, Woodruff has the most experience. How do you look at those three this fantasy baseball season? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, Freddie Peralta, I know he has a lot of upside. He came up last year in that game against the Rockies and, and blew everyone away, and we were really excited about him. But he throws his fastball a lot, or at least he did last year. So uh, we'll see early on in the season if he's added more pitches. Uh, but if I had to choose one, I'm looking at Corbin Burns, actually, because I know he's been a prospect in the organization for a while here. I think he has legitimate upside. Uh, the strikeouts could be there. Uh, gets a lot of ground balls as well. I know a lot of people are running to Brandon Woodruff and and, and Freddie Peralta. You mentioned it. Look, Corbin Burns hasn't made a start yet, uh, but I do think that the upside uh, is legitimate for him. So if I just had to rank them, I would probably go Corbin Burns, uh, then Woodruff, then Freddie Peralta. I know Jimmy Nelson could be back at some point. I mean, that's the guy that I really want to work out here is Jimmy Nelson. But now dealing with the elbow injury, he didn't pitch all of last year. Starting to get a little bit worried here about Jimmy Nelson. Uh, but if he were to return, you know, probably pushes one of these guys out of the rotation anyway. If I had to go with one of them, I like Corbin Burns the most. I like it. Yeah. And, and you hit on Nelson there. I was I was really happy with, with what was looking like he was going to be coming back real soon. And then, yeah, now he's shut down again with his elbow injury. All precautionary, of course, but uh, it still has to have some concern. But at the same time, it could help the Brew Crew is Nelson wasn't going to throw a full workload of innings this year. These guys probably aren't either, so kind of helps mix and match a little bit. It's Cleveland Indians. Back to Cleveland, as we already talked about uh, Hanley Ramirez earlier. Jose Ramirez, it was terrifying over the weekend on Sunday. There was reports that he broke his leg. He was getting carted off the field. It was basically the end of the world, thinking a potential first-rounder for sure, top three draft pick, gone already. But now they're saying, no, everything's clean, just a bone contusion, which is still not great. But um, how concerned are you with Jose Ramirez right now? Man, as an owner of Jose Ramirez in multiple leagues just last week, I took him, you know, fourth overall. I'm a little worried here. Uh, I don't I don't think that this is something that you could just, you know, brush under the rug. I don't think it's something you could just dismiss easily. Uh, obviously, you know, I worried about the leg injury with a guy like Lindor and how it's going to affect his stolen bases. So I kind of worry about that same thing here with Jose Ramirez. I, and there was already a decent amount to worry about with him. I mean, a lot of people were kind of off Jose Ramirez this year because of what he did in the second half. I mean, I've kind of been trusting what I've seen from him the past three years and and the fact that he's a professional ball player and he was going to make adjustments. A lot of people talking about he can't hit breaking balls. Uh, you know, I was expecting him to make that adjustment back this year. Uh, but yeah, I worry about the stolen base upside now. Dealing with an injury like this, is it going to linger? It was like a shin knee contusion. Uh, looks like he's going to be good to open uh, for opening day. But you know, I actually wouldn't be mad at the Indians if they gave him a few days more to rest because I'd rather this guy uh, be fully healthy for the long haul, the entirety of the season, rather than just trying to rush him back to to get him in the lineup for opening day. Uh, I'd rather think about the long haul here with the uh, w- with Jose Ramirez. So, as an owner of him in multiple leagues. Uh, I am quite worried, uh, specifically for the stolen bases, man. It just as long as we can still get at least you know fifteen to twenty, but you know a lot of people thought he could go thirty thirty again. So uh, th- this uh, this might this might knock some of the shine off of Jose Ramirez this season. 
Yeah, the hit tools should still be there, but the running is going to be very sketchy, and I'm with you. I think they're going to probably or hopefully hold them out for the first series of the season. Uh, you mentioned Francisco Lindor, so real quick, I just want to ask you out of curiosity, because when he when he got hurt, I was with you. That leg injury, it, it scared me a lot for him running. Uh, you know, a calf injury and everything's not good for a guy that relies on his legs, obviously. Um, he's been falling anywhere between late first round, middle second round, and a lot of these 15-team NFBC drafts. Where would you take him if you had the choice? You might, you're probably done drafting or whatnot, but where would you take him? This is a great question because I actually have zero shares of Lindor. Mm, I would mid to late second round in that range, probably closer to late second round. I, I would be willing to pull the trigger on Lindor uh, because I actually am really worried about this calf. I mean, it was bad enough that as soon as it happened, they ruled him out for like nine to 12 weeks right away. So uh, I think it's pretty severe. Uh, someone who relies on his legs and stolen bases for his fantasy value. Uh, you know, are we going to get the, the 20 to 25 we were hoping for from, from Lindor or is it closer to 15 or even less than that? You know, I had Dr. A from inside injuries on the show to talk about this and he was really worried about the calf as well. And, and the ability, uh, the possibility of this flaring up throughout the season. So probably closer to the late second round and uh, 15 team drafts, but I understand completely why people are willing to take that risk because if he's good to go, if everything's fine, I mean, we know what his upside is. So I understand, you know, people who are playing for overalls, they want to take that shot on the upside. For me, I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, safer, safer drafter, especially early on in drafts, because I want to build that foundation. I don't really want to have any question marks, which obviously now I do with Jose Ramirez on my team. Yeah, but when you draft him, you didn't. So that's the price. But I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you 100%. That's how I am. It's like I see the risk, especially like in an overall NFBC thing, taking that guy like, I was in a draft recently, and it wasn't even an overall deal, but Luis Severino felt like the ninth round. I'm like, okay, he's my fourth pitcher. I'll, I'll take a shot on him. I, I, I hate it. I hate drafting guys that are already hurt, especially early on. Severino was later, but like you're saying with Lindor, uh, when I was asked that same question right before TGFBI kicked off, um, I said he'd have to be after pick 25, so essentially what you were saying there. Um, and luckily, every draft I've ever been in this season since he's been hurt, someone takes care of that for me. So it's not even a question. Don't have to worry about it. Um, another fluky injury last night that, uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This one really sucked. I was looking forward to Steven Souza Jr. coming back this year. You got him late in drafts. He's coming off, you know, it was only a couple years ago, big-time season, big production. Um, you were hoping for a big season. He tore his ACL. It was announced today he's going to have surgery on it. He's out for the year. It basically means Cattell Marte is definitely going to be spending almost the whole season in center field. And now Adam Jones, who is supposed to be a fourth outfielder, is going to be playing pretty much every day for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, you know, we're, most people are already on Cattell Marte. Adam Jones, what's your thoughts on him now? Is this a, a new chance? You know, he kind of slowed down in Baltimore, but everyday role the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think anytime we get an outfielder who's going to play every day, you know, we all we play in a lot of uh, roto leagues where you need five outfielders. Like this guy's going to be under radar, and he should be obviously in NL only as well. I mean, you know, in the AL and NL only, it's really anyone who has a pulse. I mean, is on your radar. But uh, Adam Jones, yeah, he's going to play every single day. Look, the numbers came back last year. He's a little bit older now. He's going on thirty four years old. Can he still hit twenty home runs? Yeah, probably. But you know, the batting average is meh. He's not going to steal bases. So. Uh, yeah, he should be on your radar as a fifth outfielder, anything more than that. I mean, I don't really have a lot of high hopes for Adam Jones in terms of his upside. I couldn't agree more with what you said about Souza because I, I own him in a few locations. I have him in the great fantasy baseball invitational. Now I got to drop him. I actually saw a video of that injury last night. Really, really weird freak injury. Uh, scores from second base on a single. As soon as he crosses home plate, like his cleat gets stuck in the ground and his knee like pops and he flips up in the air. I mean, it was it was really, really weird freak injury. Uh, but I was on him. You know, two years ago, he had 30 home runs and 15 stolen bases. So, And you were getting him for super cheap. So uh, it definitely is a devastating injury for fantasy purposes. Could tell Marte going to play every day. I think this actually helps Wilmer Flores playing time too, because True. I worried about, uh, I worried about, you know, if Sousa was going to play and Adam Jones was going to play, do they sometimes bring Cattell Marte back into the middle infield? Does that affect Wilmer? I have a lot of shares of Wilmer Flores because, again, I think, I think he's cheap middle infield pop, you know, 20 to 25 home runs. I think now he's going to play every single day. Uh, but just looking at this Diamondbacks lineup from top to bottom on roster resource, it's really not a great lineup. Uh, <laughs> you know, they like Adam Jones, Eduardo Escobar, David Peralta, Wilmer Flores, Jake Lamb, Cattell Marte. I mean, this is a far cry from where it's been in years past. So 
the whole offense, I think, takes a little bit of a hit here, but definitely, definitely sucks with Steven Souza. Uh, I see the, the arrow pointing up, though, for Adam Jones, Wilmer Flores, and uh, Cattell Marte specifically. Yeah, and that's that's a good point on uh, the Wilmer Flores part. Big, big fan there. Similar to like Kike Hernandez we talked about earlier, is he's got a reputation for being a lefty masher, but Wilmer has begun to slowly show he can take care of the right-handed pitcher as well. Maybe not as well as Kike has shown, but it's also the theory is he doesn't get that many chances, and now he's going to. So an everyday role for Wilmer Flores could be really, really good. And, yeah, that D-backs lineup, not ideal, but as a Giants fan, I take that nine out of ten times right now because uh, it's very bad in San Francisco. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting in the desert, especially when they make some more trades and uh, get rid of whatever pieces like Zach Granke and others that can disappear. All right, let's talk about a fun one. We talked about injuries for the first almost half an hour. That's all depressing stuff. Eloy Jimenez, like in all this extension chatter with all these, you know, Mike Trout getting almost half a billion dollars and all this other stuff, Eloy Jimenez gets an extension. And the best part about that, besides having some stability for his family, is we get to see him on opening day now instead of the BS two-week stuff. Eloy Jimenez, just for fun, because we all think he's going to be really good, what's your expectations for him this year? Yeah, with Eloy... I'm thinking, look, in his prime, I, I've said this for years now, actually, I, I, just looking at his minors uh, reminds me a lot of Nelson Cruz. I think the batting average could be there. Uh, the pop could be there for for Eloy Jimenez, obviously. Uh, we've seen what he did in the minors. You know, Everyone's drooling over Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and rightfully so. Look, he's going to be awesome. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but with Eloy, you know, I think if Vladimir Guerrero wasn't around this year, Eloy would would have been dra- drafted, you know, two, three rounds earlier, you know, maybe where – Ronald Acuna was going last year in, you know, the fourth, fifth or sixth round range. And you've been getting uh, Eloy at a little bit of a discount. Now that might've went up since, uh, since he signed and we're expecting him on opening day here. Uh, But it's still, you know, a pretty good park to hit in. I I think this lengthens the lineup a little bit. I actually have a lot of shares of players in this lineup. I loved Jose Abreu this year. You're getting him at a discount. Yonder Alonso, cheap 25 home run corner infielder. Uh, Beef Castillo, have a ton of shares of him as well. I don't think this lineup is going to be, you know, as bad as it has been in years past. Uh, and Eloy is going to be right in the middle of it. So if I had to project him just for this season, I'll say 275 to 280 with, you know, 25 to 28 home runs, RBIs, you know, 80 plus probably in that range. And, you know, you get that as your third outfielder in a you know five outfielder league. I, th- I think you'd be perfectly fine with it. So uh, very excited about Eloy for this season. And I think a lot of other people should be as well, rightfully so. Yeah, no, big, big, big excitement there. When they made that deal, I was like, oh, baseball did something right. It's about damn time. So, um, yeah, we get Eloy up right away. If you got him in drafts around pick 100 or whatever, you got to steal now because after the news came out, main event this last week, and I think he went anywhere between 65 and 70. So that's like a two two to three round jump, depending on where you got him. That's pretty tremendous. Another guy that he didn't get the extension, but the Mets are actually not doing Mets things. They're, they're I, I'm, I'm shocked here. They're doing what's best for their team, besides just giving Jacob DeGrom an extension. Pete Alonso is starting with the big club. He's going to get the chance. Um, this is big, big news. I, I named him the right-handed Jim Tomey. A lot of similarities there to me. What's your thoughts on Pete Alonso this year? Is he going to stick with the club, and is he how fantasy relevant is he going to be? Man, I see uh, everyone's seeing the home runs being hit in the spring and some of these monster shots that he's hitting. Uh, I actually lost a bet uh, on my show to to my co-host Greg Sussman because I said there's no way he starts in the majors. I mean, he's he's part of the New York Mets. I mean, you know, they're obviously very frugal. They think about all their moves uh, from a financial perspective. Well, uh, you know, with uh, with Brody Van Wagen in here, they're actually looking like they're going to do things a little bit differently now, or at least that's that's what they've shown to this point. So uh, they're saying Pete Alonso is going to make the opening day roster. He's going to be in the lineup. Uh, he should be, uh, based on everything that he did last year. I know uh, in September, him and his agent were furious because he wasn't getting the call-up. He did everything he absolutely needed to, to do last year. He had 36 home runs. I worry a little bit about the strikeouts. When he got to AAA, you saw the strikeout rate jump from 18% to 26% uh, last season. So I worry a little bit about the strikeouts. The batting average this year might be in the 240 to 250 range, but I think the power is absolutely legit. I think it's going to play at the major league level. I'm expecting, you know, 25 to 30 home runs. That honestly might be a little bit uh, conservative too here. Uh, the power is 100%, and he can mash to all fields. So I, I don't really worry about the power. The batting average does worry me, though, a little bit. I, I think uh, I think he's under 250 this season, uh, but with, with the opportunity to get better uh, in, in the next coming seasons. But um, – 
I think people should should bake that in when they're thinking about Alonzo. Is that the power is going to be there? But I'm not I'm not expecting the batting average right away. He basically described a very similar CJ Crone to me, and everyone's in love with CJ Crone. So, um, batting average about 250, tons of power. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of angry because I have no Pete Alonzo because I thought the Mets would go full Mets and you know even maybe keep him longer than two weeks out just because screw it why not um, that they didn't and I'm very happy they didn't that's uh, good for the Mets good for Mets fans so it'll be fun to see what Mr. Pete I have to keep remembering to call him Pete Alonzo um, does for the club kind of a fun one here he took Twitter by storm last season and then in the uh, Dominican I believe it was Dominican Fall League or the Venezuelan one of them. He was just crushing baseballs. He had one of the best viral videos ever. Uh, Williams asked to Dio. He is making the opening day roster. You know, some injuries and other things made this possible, Miguel Sano being out. But the interesting part is we know his plate discipline. He finally walked. He hasn't struck out all spring. They've had him batting second all spring, which is really, really interesting. What's your takes on Williams asked to Dio this year? Because I've heard anywhere between, you know, he's not going to play. He's just a role player. He's play every day. I've heard many different scenarios. Bottom line is he can hit. So what's your thoughts here? Yeah, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't have any shares of Astudio. He was a really hard guy for me to read too, because, you know, the beginning uh, of spring training, the guy's projected to be in the minor leagues. And now with all these injuries, now he makes the roster. He could play catcher. You know, they can move him all around the infield. I think he played a few games in the outfield last year too. And, you know, if you've seen Williams Astudio, a little surprising that he's played in the outfield. Uh, but, you know, that's the way that the game is trending right now. Uh, the more versatile a player that you are, uh, you can move around the diamond. Uh, the more opportunities you're going to get, especially at the major league level. So uh, we know that he can hit. He doesn't strike out. He doesn't walk at all either. So it obviously takes a hit in like OBP leagues or, or even points leagues uh, where, you know, you, you, you favor the plate discipline a little bit more. But that's why we watch spring training specifically to see like where guys are batting in the lineup. That's something I want to pay attention to. Obviously with pitchers, you want to pay attention to velocity and stuff like that, but where players are batting. If when he's in the lineup, he's towards the top of this lineup. I'm very bullish on the twins lineup this year. I mean, I think that they've made great additions. Uh, you know, Nelson Cruz was a great addition. Uh, Eddie Rosario going to continue to do what he's done the past couple of years. CJ Crone, Jonathan scope. I think it's a very deep lineup. Lots of upside here. Uh, and a lot of people were getting Astudio as their, you know, second catcher because again, no one just nobody really knew what to do with this guy. Uh, so I, I think there's legitimate upside, uh, especially given the fact that he can play all over the diamond and he'll help the Twins out in that way, which ultimately affects us. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, I didn't end up with him uh, because he was honestly a hard guy for me to read this uh, this draft season. Yeah, I, I didn't have him either, and I love him. I wrote a, I wrote an article on like the awesomeness that is Williams Ostadio, just from a fan's perspective, and also with the talent that he has at the plate, like his peripherals. I mean, they're they're outstanding. The guy's very very good, and he makes for a good baseball player. But like you said, his roster resource and everywhere you looked, he wasn't playing in the bigs this year, and it took a, a couple injuries for this to happen. By the time that all took place, either the helium went too much or I was like almost done with my draft season by the time I got serious enough for me to think about taking him and it just didn't work. Like I was taking, you know, Danny Jansons of the world and other stuff like that instead of asked to deal. So I'm bummed I don't have him, but that's a DFS is for it. So I'll have fun with it there. All right. Ian Happ. This one took Twitter by storm. I have not been on the it's happening season bandwagon. Like many people are. Um, I understand the hit tools are there, but the plate discipline scares me. He got sent down to AAA. Maybe it's to work on these hit, said hit tools. Uh, what's your thoughts on Ian Happ? Because there were a lot of disgruntled people all over Twitter when he got sent down. Yeah, I actually haven't been an Ian Happ supporter. Uh, well, you know, dating back to last year when he had a lot of hype uh, in draft season. I didn't have any shares last year. I wasn't really on him this year. You mentioned it. Look, the strikeout rate was up to 36% last year. I mean, that's, that's a huge number. Uh, as much as he walks, you know, around 15% of the time last season, uh, it's just – it's not enough when you strike out that much. And I actually think for his long-term potential, um, this is actually really good for him to go get sent down and play every single day. And we've seen Joe Madden do this with a bunch of players before. I mean, how many years were you were begging him to play Javier Baez every single day? Uh, and then, you know, the year that I was off Javier Baez was last year, and then he finally plays every single day. So uh, these are just some of the the, the mind tricks that go go on uh, with the Chicago Cubs and Joe Madden, obviously. Uh, but I think it's good for him to go down to the minors, play every single day, work on that plate discipline, try and cut down the strikeouts, make more contact. 
because I think in terms of the athleticism, the power that he's displayed, uh, there is a lot of upside here. Maybe it takes a trade, you know, uh, moving to another team, a fresh start uh, for him to play every single day there. Maybe that's what's best for his value. Uh, but I do think long term, this actually helps him because if he started the year, is he going to play every single day? They like Albert Omor- Almora's defense a lot. Uh, you know, Ben Zobra is still playing out that contract. So, you know, I, I don't think that he was going to play every single day anyway. So I think long term, this is actually best for Ian Hat. And see, what you just said there at the end is what I've been trying to preach all offseason that people that are all in on Ian Happ. It's like, sure, he had a, a big spring two years ago. And we've seen him hit the ball a lot in the minors, but the hit tools weren't there. And the biggest thing, like you said, is where was he going to play? Like, where was he going to play every day? Even They need Amara's defense in the outfield because when you have Kyle Schwarber on one side, you can't afford to have Ian Happ on, like, the other. That just doesn't work defensively for a team, especially a team with, you know, you know the likes of Cole Hamels and John Lester and some other, you know, sometimes sketchy starting pitchers out there. Um, so I agree with you. This will help him go work on things every day instead of riding the pine and pinch hitting and trying to figure it out on the fly. It's a much better move for him. And maybe next year we go and get him at a value and see how it goes. Uh, we mentioned the, the New York Mets bringing Pete Alonzo with them. We saw the brew crew with three young pitchers. The Miami Marlins shocked a lot of us. They are going all, you know, they, they got rid of Dan Strader. They let him go. He's designated for assignment. They have Pablo Lopez, Caleb Smith, Trevor Richards, Sandy Alcantara, all slated to start in this rotation. Uh, Pablo Lopez, huge spring. Caleb Smith, we know what he's got. Trevor Richards, all these guys pitched really well. Alcantara, kind of the surprise of the group, but one of the higher prospects came over in the Ozuna trade. You don't have to go super deep on these four because we, we, could, we could have fun with all of them, but what's your thoughts just overall on these four guys in the rotation and how they play out this year? Yeah, I actually thought this was a really cool job by the Miami Marlins. Uh, you know, it sucks for Dan Straley, unfortunately. Well, maybe he gets a chance to, to pitch on a, a on a more con, uh, a higher contending team. Uh, but they put Wei Yin Chen in the bullpen, and, and they're going with what they think are the best uh, starting pitchers here for them. So I, I really, I really like that. Good job by the Miami Marlins here. Uh, look, Trevor Richards and Pablo Lopez are the ones for me. Pablo Lopez seeing a, a velo spike here in the spring early on. He came up last year for a little bit, uh, flashed a little bit. He gets he gets a lot of ground balls. I'm hoping that this uh, this uptick in velo could actually lead to more strikeouts. Uh, his swinging strike rate was actually higher than what I thought his strikeout rate should have been last year. So I'm expecting the strikeout rate to actually go up for Pablo Lopez uh, this season. And then Trevor Richards, we know how great the changeup is. Uh, the fastball got mashed last year, but apparently he's been working hard on a cutter, uh, another breaking pitch, I believe a curveball throughout the spring as well. And you've kind of seen some of the results here. Uh, 20 strikeouts in 19 and a third innings pitch here in spring training for Trevor Richards. Um, I like Caleb Smith as well. I really like the fact that 19 strikeouts, one walk in the spring. That's big for Caleb Smith because we know he has the strikeout stuff, uh, but he wasn't going deep into games last year because because uh, he would walk a lot of batters and, and the pitch count would get up there. Uh, so if I'm just ranking these guys, I would go Pablo Lopez first, Trevor Richards, Caleb Smith, and then Sandy Alcantara. I think Alcantara has upside, but he's probably the most raw out of all of these pitchers. Um, you know, he throws extremely hard, but I think still think he has some walk issues here uh, for Sandy Alcantara. Uh, there's upside long-term, especially in Dynasty and places like that, but I really like Pablo Lopez and Trevor Richards the most of this group. Yeah, I'm with you. Alcantara, control issues still still abund. But uh, Richards, I have, I have a share of him. I'm a big fan there because he's going so much later than Pablo Lopez. I just didn't get to pay the price for Lopez, but both very, very intriguing. Then I want to see what Caleb Smith has because – Last year, he had just elite strikeout stuff. He was very, very good, and then he got hurt. Um, and like you said, in the spring, 19 Ks to one walk is outstanding. So really looking forward to seeing how this is. And I really hope teams do this because it's surprising that they go and just, just say, screw it, we're getting rid of Dan Straley. That was impressive. And then you said we and Chen go to the bullpen. He's the highest paid guy on the team. Like, like you don't see that every day. Like, he, he makes more money than probably – half of the roster combined and he's sitting in the bullpen now. So that says a lot about the kind of, I think it's 18 million, going. like 18 million. It's crazy, it's, money crazy. For them. it's crazy money for a team. That's like, I, I, I could go down. I would have gone down rabbit holes on this Marlins team before. Cause they have some veterans that are kind of like sneaky, intriguing, but uh, deep, deep, intriguing. That's about it. But uh, yeah, that, that money for we and Chen to sit in the bullpen is, is pretty outstanding. Um, let's talk about another, uh, bullpen arm, one that got people all riled up on Twitter. 
Greg Holland, name the D-backs closer. Before I get your take on this, I'm just going to say I'm not surprised by this at all for the fact that they brought him in for a reason. We saw this play out in St. Louis. We saw how it ended in St. Louis. What's your thoughts on Greg Holland, the D-backs closer? I'm with you 100%. I don't know why everyone was freaking out. Everyone wants Archie Bradley to be to be the closer. We've wanted Archie Bradley to be the closer for years now. And as long as Tori Lavulo has been the coach for the D-backs, this is the role that they've liked Archie Bradley in the most. This doesn't Bingo. surprise me one bit. And look, Fernando Rodney in, in 2017, 39 saves with an ERA over four. He was given a long leash last year. Same thing with Boxberger, 32 saves. 4.39 ERA. Uh, this is the way that Tori Lavulo has wanted to use the bullpen, and it's exactly what he has done. Why would he change anything now? So I don't know why people were so up in arms about this. I get it. Archie Bradley is the most talented one in the bullpen, but we've seen other bullpens be used this way as well. I mean, Josh Hader was probably the most talented one in the bullpen last year, and he wasn't used solely as the closer either. I mean, Andrew Miller has been awesome for years. So um, I'm not really surprised by this. Uh, I think Greg Holland's going to get a long leash. I've seen him go for as high as 36% of fab in some leagues that I play in uh, because people just go crazy over saves. I don't know if I'm willing to go that high. You know, I, I said on the show earlier this week, I was willing to go, you know, 12 to 15% if you need a second or third closer uh, in Roto. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think he's going to have a long leash again. Uh, you know, he flashed a little bit when he was with the Nationals uh, last year. Uh, is he going to be that good? Probably not, but can he, you know, in the ERA in the low fours, the whip's probably not going to help you, but he's going to get strikeouts. He's going to get saves. I'm not surprised by this, man. I, I don't know why everyone was freaking out about this bullpen here. Yeah. I, I like everything you had to say there. It's, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets over 30 saves this year. I wouldn't be shocked if he does it with a four and a half ERA. Um, it's, it's just, it's just how it works with, with Lavello and, and the D-backs because it, it's the way we're seeing it everywhere. You mentioned Andrew Miller. You mentioned, Josh Hader, um, Francona's come out and said it. Obviously, he did it with Miller, but he's going to do it with others. These these guys want to use pitchers in the high leverage spots for a reason. Um, I, I've heard other Diamondbacks talks with Archie Bradley. Like he knows coming into it when um, the three, four, five guys are coming up. I think it was. Um, oh, it's going to kill me. The former Diamondbacks reliever that was on FNTSY a couple weekends ago. Um, oh, Brad Ziegler. 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 He was. I was listening to an interview with him, and he flat out said when he was in the bullpen. Bradley knew after the sixth inning when the three, four, five are coming up, that was my inning. Didn't matter when it happened. And that's how it's always been. So I don't know yeah. why this is a surprise to anybody that it's, it's just going to be this way. Unless Holland completely poops the bed, this is going to happen. So I'm with you. Go grab him if you need closers, if you need saves, because saves, especially in deep leagues, are co- hard to come by. So he's going to get his chance. Um, it's not going to be pretty, but like you said, Rodney, people grabbed him and they, they just plug in your nose and you go. Boxberger, he was very he was an all-star last year for crying out loud. Like it's it's <laughs> it's it's doable. All right, let's go to the Tampa Bay Rays. Matt Duffy starting the season on the injured list. And the more important factor here besides Duffy is, you know, is what he is. Yandy Diaz is gonna be starting at third base. He had a very, very good spring. Um, he could stay at third base, he could go somewhere else. But what are you thinking on Yandy Diaz in 2019? What I'm thinking is I want to see this guy lift the ball because we know uh, how strong he is. Uh, if you've seen any of the workout stuff, once he was traded to Tampa Bay in the offseason, I mean, this guy's built like a linebacker. <laughs> he's huge. He's he's really, really strong. But the problem is it doesn't matter how strong you are when you're just pounding the ball into the dirt. Um, so I want to see him lift the ball. I've actually watched a few Tampa Bay Rays games here in the spring, and the broadcasters have talked about, like, this is something they're consciously working with him on to hit more line drives and – you know, one look at the guy, we know how strong he is. Um, so if he lifts the ball a little bit, turn into doubles, eventually turn into home runs, uh, I think there's some upside. I actually added him in a few 15-team leagues where I had Jose Ramirez because I was worried about, you know, Jose Ramirez's availability for this uh, for this first half week uh, of fantasy baseball. So I think there's some upside for sure. Uh, it's all going to be dependent on what he does with the launch angle this year. That's something that I'm going to be paying attention to early on. Uh, but yeah, he's going to have the opportunity to play every day. They clearly like him. They went out and you know they traded Jake Bowers away basically uh, to get him back. So there's something that they saw. That I don't think the Rays would have taken a chance on him if they didn't think that they can turn him into the hitter uh, that he could be or what his potential is. Uh, and I actually trust the Tampa Bay Rays. They're a really forward-thinking organization. I think if anyone can figure it out, it's them. 
Yeah, I like that last take, especially as I, when he got traded. I said no better organization to get him to figure out how to launch a ball than the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I believe it was them last year. I saw on Twitter that were setting up screens halfway between the bases and home plate in the infield for batting practice. So you had to hit it over the screen. That was like to teach them launch angle. Um, but there's a lot to like with that. And Yanni, I believe he had two home runs in the spring. You know, if he keeps building on that, there's a lot to like. There's like you said. He's a big boy that can hit the ball very, very hard. So there's there's a lot to like there if he figures that out. Uh, let's unfortunately talk some Baltimore Orioles. For fantasy, they're going to be relevant from time to time. In real life, they're going to be looking for the number one pick in 2019 and 2020. So that's how it goes. But the first part is Chance Cisco had an amazing spring, probably the best hitter the Orioles had. Um, yes, he has options. Yes, this is what a rebuilding team does. Do you think we see him up here in a couple of weeks? Are they really going to go with Jesus Sucre? and a former kind of top prospect in Pedro Severino behind the dish. Yeah, I do think that we see him up uh, relatively early. Um, you know, I think they're playing the service time game here. I was actually on uh, Chancisco last year. I thought that, you know, he had some upside. Uh, you know, uh, he was one of the top catching prospects in baseball for a while here, specifically from the offensive side. Uh, not really a great catcher in terms of defense, calling games. So he's got some things to learn, and I understand that, but – yeah, you mentioned it. What he did in the spring was uh, was phenomenal. He was, you know, mashing a ton of home runs here. I'm looking at the numbers: three eighty two with four home runs in spring, uh, ten strikeout, uh, ten walks, nine strikeouts. So the plate discipline uh, showing some improvement there as well throughout the spring. So I think there's some upside, uh, especially in two catcher leagues. We're trying to find anyone who just doesn't hurt us, um, and I, I think Chance Cisco can can be one of those catchers who has a little pop especially playing in Camden uh, in that division where he's going to go to Yankee stadium. Uh, he's going to go uh, to Toronto. Those are good ballparks to hit in. So I do think that he'll be up. It, it won't be long, uh, but I think they're thinking more so about the long term here. And and they honestly should be because yeah. Baltimore, uh, you know, 2019 is not the year of the Baltimore Orioles for sure. No, I agree. That's why I, I understand people's anger because he is that good right now, but they have no reason to be bringing any of these guys up. They should get every ounce of service time. As bad as the system is, and as much as people want to complain about it, and I agree, it's the system we have. So you have to play it. Um, the other part here about Baltimore, which is kind of depressing, because I drafted Mark Trumbo in one of my last picks in TGFBI thinking, okay, I can get 30 home runs out of nowhere, because he wasn't supposed to be gone this long, and now he's on the 60-day DL. So I'm pretty much dropping him now. Um What's your thoughts on the Renard, Renato Nunez's of the world and some other pieces there on Baltimore? Or is it just say, screw it, get rid of Trumbo and don't worry about the Orioles? Yeah, I think there's still some value to be had here uh, with the Orioles. Um, maybe not necessarily with Renato Nunez. I know he's gonna he's got a little pop, uh, not going to give you much batting average, but he, he could hit a little bit. And again, good ballpark out there in Camden. I've actually been on Cedric Mullins a little bit here uh, throughout the draft season. I think he's a little bit undervalued. Look, he's going to lead off. It's not a great lineup, but can he give me 15 home runs with 15 to 20 stolen bases? I think there's an opportunity for that to happen. Uh, another name here. Who's, who's hit well in the spring, Dwight Smith Jr. for the Baltimore Orioles. I'm looking at a roster resource. They have him as the, as the designated hitter to open up the year. So we'll see what happened with there. Uh, I know he hit five home runs here in spring training. Uh, he's got a little bit of pop. The, the name that I was looking forward to, and he also got hurt. Everyone's getting hurt, Bubba. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, was Austin Hayes, man. I was looking yeah. at Austin Hayes. Because, <laughs> man, you know, he was mashing early on in the spring as well. I had a bold prediction that I wrote for Fantasy Pros uh, that he would compete for the American League Rookie of the Year and come close to hitting 30 home runs, and now he's dealing with an injury too. I was expecting him to be up by uh, by mid-April and, and play quite regularly. I'm just hoping that this injury doesn't linger. But, uh, yeah, Cedric Mullins was someone that I was on. Uh, let's pay attention to Dwight Smith early on in the season, especially in, like, AL only, maybe 15-teamers. Uh, and hopefully, cross your fingers, Austin Hayes is good to go because – uh, I think the upside is real. We saw that two years ago. It kind of fell off a little bit last year. Uh, but Austin Hayes definitely, definitely has some upside. Let's just hope he's healthy. Yeah, some good names there to uh, keep an eye on, especially in your deeper leagues, because that's one thing as I, I try to reiterate to a lot of people in doing DFS on the side also is even though these teams may be bad in real life, there's always somebody on there doing something. You, so you just got to pay attention to them because a lot of people just, just write them off on the side and you might get them pretty cheap come fab time. A um, couple other kind of minuscule ones, nothing crazy here, but you mentioned Ryan O'Hearn earlier. The Royals decided to purchase the contract of Lucas Duda. Any concern there with Duda getting in O'Hearn's way? 
Man, I really hope not. It seems like uh, the Kansas City Royals have a little bit of a love affair here with Duda. I know he played with them uh, briefly, and and now they bring him back. Uh, I don't know if it's just they want another veteran presence in the lineup, but I don't think it will, and I don't think it should. I think they should give Ryan O'Hearn every opportunity to play. I know that he could struggle against lefties a little bit, but you know Lucas Duda doesn't really help that either, being a lefty. Uh, So I don't think it should. Uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, I have pretty high expectations for Ryan O'Hearn. I know a lot of people did uh, 40%, uh, over 40% hard hit rate last year, over 40% fly ball rate. I mean, those are you know two numbers that I'm looking at that usually they turn into some power production, not a great ballpark again. Um, I don't think Lucas Duda should, hopefully not. Okay. Uh, and then lastly, Pittsburgh Pirates, this has to be for deep, deep teams, I'm assuming, but uh, he can still hit. Does Melky Cabrera get any attention for you? You know, he actually does, and it came out, I believe it was last night, that Lonnie Chisenhall got hit in the hand with a pitch. So we'll see what happens with him. But, uh, you know, Roster Resource had these guys as as platooning uh, with Lonnie Chisenhall playing uh, on the strong side of a platoon against uh, uh, against right-handed pitching in right field. So, you know, if anything happens with him, then we're, we're seeing Melky Cabrera as an everyday player for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Again, not a great lineup but uh in these deeper leagues if you could find someone who's going to play every single day i agree with you man melky cabrera could still hit a little bit uh he gives you some batting average you know maybe 15 home runs in that range uh but yeah especially if if anything is going on with lonnie chisenhall uh for nl only leagues or you know 15 team leagues or deeper uh, i think melky cabrera should be on your radar yeah and the reason i bring up a lot of these guys now that we're getting into the season is not to go run an ad but there's the that cool little thing called the watch list on your rosters just put, click the little star or whatever the icon is there just so you can check back in on them once in a while. If they not do anything or they get cut or whatever, they take them off. But it'll remind you to, to instead of digging through the rankings that take a while for them to, to move up it maybe, you might be able to get them a week or two before they really blow up and, and check out that stuff. Uh, a little bit of news that just came out like an hour or two before we recorded. It's still nothing's official. There's The, the A.J. Hinch isn't saying a ton, but just something to keep an eye on. Carlos Correa might not play this weekend. He's got a messed up neck that's kept him out of spring for a few days now. Um, I don't know if you see anything on this, but I'm really bummed out about this because I've been waiting for a healthy Carlos Correa all year after last year's debacle with the back injury. Um, have you seen anything on this yet? Yeah, I actually tweeted about this as well. You know, I got the little update on my phone from uh, from from the MLB app saying you know he's in danger of missing this opening series and. You know, I actually have zero shares of Carlos Correa. I know how talented he is, what the upside could be, what he's done in the past. But uh, again, I I am not big on like injury optimism. I've been avoiding him, Josh Donaldson here uh, throughout draft season, obviously Kershaw, uh, even Severino to to a certain extent, uh, just because, you know, with these core injuries, and I know it's his neck now that he's dealing with, but like he's dealt with the back, the oblique, Mm -hmm. Carlos Correa, so... It's a great lineup. You want exposure to Houston. I understand it. The upside is huge, but I don't have any shares of Carlos Correa. Uh, I'll go as far as to say he was an active avoid for me just because, uh, you know, I don't like to draft with injury optimism. Yeah, I don't have any of those guys except the, the Severino pick I mentioned earlier. I, I was a strict no draft those guys pretty much as well, unless everyone's got a price. They just never fell to me. So before we, we send, us, uh, send us home on this one, I did want to ask a little bit on your five highest owned guys. You can give one, then I'll give one. We'll kind of go back and forth. If you want to give a little like Twitter response of what you like about this guy or whatever, uh, go for it. But uh, who is one of your top five most owned guys in draft season? Yeah, this one might actually be because of uh, my co-host Greg Sussman. He's actually my co-owner on a few of my uh, on my teams here, and. He was really excited about Wade Miley, and I know we got a, a Twitter question right before we came on here asking about Wade Miley and why no one's talking about him. Hey, man, we've been talking about him. I drafted him. He's actually my most owned player across all my leagues. I don't know how this happened. Like, it's Wade Miley, but my thinking is everything the Houston Astros touch uh, just turns to gold in terms of starting pitchers. You know, they've you know they've taken some reclamation projects, and they've made them extremely fantasy-relevant. Uh, Wade Miley was fantasy-relevant last year. I know he pitched over his head. Uh, in terms of the peripherals, like the FIP, the XFIP was over four, uh, much higher than the ERA. But if there's any team that could get the most out of a starting pitcher, it's the Houston Astros. Uh, they ju- they've just got a magical mound out there. So I've drafted them everywhere on the end of my bench. I agree 100%. If we're drafting Colin McHugh and we love Brad Peacock, I'm 100% taking stabs on Wade Miley here. If he sucks early on in the season, I'll just drop him. But hey, man, we saw we just saw Charlie Morton go through a renaissance here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what happens with Wade Miley. 
There you go, listener John Skeleton. There you go. There's your answer on Wade Miley. Um, I'm with you when it comes to the Astros. Derek Van Riper said it best a while ago. Um, if the Astros sign a guy or want to trade for one of your guys, you should probably figure out why because they know what they're doing. So uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, could be really interesting with Wade Miley. One of my top-owned guys is J.D. Martinez. I happen to be in the middle of – like I had the fifth or sixth pick in almost every draft somehow this year. And J.D.'s just sitting there. And I love Ronald Acuna. I have Acuna in one. I just couldn't pass up on a potential triple crown guy. I know the steals aren't there, but I can address that later in the draft. Um, so J.D. Martinez is a guy I absolutely love. I've really never owned J.D. Martinez. So I, I pray to God this is not the year that some fluky thing happens with him. Let me enjoy J.D. Martinez. But uh, he is definitely – uh, one of the top guys on my team. Who's your number two? Uh, Jose Quintana, another interesting one. I didn't think that I would like him as much as I did uh, here throughout the draft season, but I actually read an interesting excerpt uh, on The Athletic, uh, an article regarding Jose Quintana, and that uh, you know he made a mechanical adjustment over his final 12 starts, and, and during that span he had a 3.60 ERA and something like a 23% strikeout rate. Uh, to me, that sounds a lot more like the Jose Quintana we've seen from years past um, you know, in terms of the strikeouts and, you know, the, keeping the walks down. I mean, that was really the weirdest part of Jose Quintana's season last year is that he walked so many batters. And that's not what we were uh, normally seeing from him in, in years past. So uh, everyone wants to draft these Eduardo Rodriguez and Joe Musgrove. And we don't know how many innings we're going to get from those guys. I think they're good to pair with a guy like Jose Quintana because I do expect the innings to be there. Maybe he doesn't have the most upside, but, uh, you know, if he can go close to 200 innings pitched, 170 to 180 strikeouts, I'm expecting, a, you know, a, a sub 3.75 ERA and 1.2 whip. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of value to be had there for a pitcher who's going outside the top 40 starting pitchers this season. Yeah, I, I missed the Quintana train. I was still, I guess, having uh, flashbacks of recent performances, but what he did this spring was really, really impressive. Uh, my second guy would be Jonathan VR. Uh, I was – he won me championships back in uh, 2016. He let us all down in 17. But last year when he got to actually play every day with the Orioles once he got traded and they just let him run and run free, he was back. He um, finished with 14 home runs, 35 stolen bases. In uh, 16, he had 19 home runs and 62 steals. Now do I think he's going to get 62 stolen bases? Probably not. But when you can get him as a middle infielder, second baseman type guy, that does have 35-plus stolen base possibilities to throw in maybe 15 home runs in there as well. Again, on an Orioles team that really has nothing to lose to let him play out there. Um, he's going to be hitting. He's projected to hit in the middle of that order right in front of Trey Mancini. You mentioned Cedric Mullins in front of him earlier. Uh, I really like Jonathan VR. I hope I didn't buy into the wrong hype train, but I've been with this man before, and I'm hoping it works again. So VR would be a guy for me that when I do take a guy like J.D. Martinez, I get VR about four or five rounds later to get the steals I needed to get. All right. Who is a third one for you? Uh, before I go into my third one, I'll just uh, give you a little shout out there with uh, with Jonathan VR. I like that call a lot. I actually have his player shirt from when he played for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I actually go with uh, a former San Francisco Giants farmhand. I know you're a big Giants guy. Uh, go with Zach Wheeler here. Uh, I think he put it. it. I think he put it all together in the second half last year. He was phenomenal. Final eleven starts. uh, You know, sub two ERA. I'm not expecting that, but I really do think he could take that next step this year and have an Aaron Nola type season. Uh, Low threes ERA, uh, good WHIP. As long as he can keep that, uh, keep the walks down like he did. You know, during that stretch uh, late last season, he added a he added a splitter that he was throwing more last year. I mean, we saw career highs. Uh, across the board in terms of swinging strike rate, first pitch strike percentage, uh, chase rate. So uh, very excited about Zach Wheeler. Um, you know, I pulled him all the way up the draft board in my main event. I took him, I believe I picked 49 in the fourth round. Very bullish on him. I think I have him ranked as like my 16th starting pitcher. I have a lot of shares of Zach Wheeler. I'm expecting big things in a contract year here. I love that call. Um, as a Giants fan, I was really bitter when they traded him for, for like three months of Carlos Beltran back in the day. Uh, and, and everyone says, well, you won a title. No, we did not win one with Carlos Beltran. I want to be very clear about that one. But um, I love the call because uh, in my bold prediction piece that comes out tomorrow, one of my bold predictions that I've already caught a flack from a few people I've told is, I said Zach Wheeler finishes with a better season, real-life fantasy, however you want to put it, than Walker Bueller. So I'm a big, big Zach Wheeler fan. So I, I'm, with you. I'm with you on that one. Um, my third guy would be Josh Bell. I think this is a guy that – he was super hyped up last year, and he let people down. Like, if you look at his overall peripherals, he was just fine. He just didn't th- show the power. But the extra base hits were there. 
His um, his hard hit was there. All the good stuff you're looking for. The guy has phenomenal plate discipline. His batting average actually increased last year. His OBP was very, very solid. Um, it just comes back to can he launch the ball a little more. It, it, I'm not going to say he's Manny Machado, but I remember back in the day when Manny Machado was hitting double after double after double, and everybody kept saying eventually he's just going to get that little more launch and the home runs are going to come, and then they came. Josh Bell is just two years removed from a 26 home run season. He had 12 last year. There's no reason you can't hope or expect 20-plus home runs from this guy. He was going super late in drafts. He's a corner infielder in a lot of leagues. You know, you mentioned Brandon Belt, Ryan Zimmerman earlier. He was going just a round or two ahead of them most of the time. He got a little more steam towards the end of draft season. But uh, Josh Bell is a guy that I, I got a lot, a lot as a corner infield option that doesn't crush you in batting average, and he gives you a lot of power. He's going to get fourth for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, not the greatest offense, not the greatest ballpark, but still production should be there with a guy like Josh Bell. Who's your fourth? Yeah, so I've actually ended up with a lot of shares of Austin Meadows. Um, and I don't worry about, you know, any type of platoon situation for him. I know uh, originally in, in dur- uh, during draft season early on, uh, Roster Resource had him as a platoon player, but I'm not worried about it. You look at last year, small sample size. He had 292 with a 921 OPS against lefties. He was actually much better against lefties than he was against righties. So I think he plays every day. I think, uh, you know, he's leading off for the Tampa Bay Rays here. Uh, I see a lot of Andrew Benintendi. Uh, in Austin Meadows. He has he has the prospect pedigree. They gave up Chris Archer uh, to get both him and Tyler Glass now last year. Uh, you know, just this season alone, I could see him hitting around 280, close to 20 home runs, uh, you know, 15 to 18 stolen bases in that range. And if he does lead off for what I think is uh, an underrated Tampa Bay Rays lineup, you know, maybe he scores 80, 90 plus runs. I think there's a lot of upside here uh, for Austin Meadows. Uh, I've been all over him. I like getting him as, uh, you know, my outfield three more so my outfield four, but uh, very excited about Austin Meadows here in 2019. I like that a lot. Uh, my number four is Matt Chapman. You talked about how much you liked Matt Olson earlier. I was a big Matt Olson guy. I might be a bit even bigger Matt Chapman guy. When you talk about Yandy Diaz needing to learn how to elevate a baseball, Matt Chapman, you know, almost 48% hard contact rate last year. He hit almost 280 last year. The average might drop a little bit. That's fine. But this is a guy that had a fly ball rate of only 25.5%. And a ground ball rate over 38%. You have to elevate that ball a little more with, with the hard contact rate like that. His launch angle is only 14.6 degrees. This is a guy that still hit 24 home runs last year with those type of numbers. It was the year prior in the minors, he had over 30 home runs. This guy legit has 35 to 40 plus home run upside once he gets this going. I, I That's kind of a boldish prediction. I, I think he literally is a 40 plus home run guy once he gets going. He already launched one over there in Tokyo. Um, and, and that ball does fly out of Oakland during the daytime. I'll clarify that, during the daytime. But um, I, I do like Matt Chapman quite a bit this year. He's a third baseman on a, a handful of my teams, so I'll be going with some Matty Chapman. Hopefully the launch angle shows up and gets me to the power I'm looking for. Who's your fifth and final guy? Yeah, so I've actually ended up with more shares of this player than I originally thought that I would, and and it's Jordan Hicks. And you know, I was drafting him a couple of weeks ago, even before we had this report that came out that said, He's probably going to get most of the save opportunities, and that's pretty much what I was expecting all along. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're part of fantasy Twitter, you've seen the gifts of this guy. He throws 105 miles per hour. He's also, you know, he's worked a lot on the slider, uh, developing the changeup as well. So I think the strikeouts are actually going to come up this year. I know he only averaged around eight Ks per nine last year, and the walks were an issue. Uh, the whip might be a bit of an issue this year but again if he continues to develop that slider and that change up we've seen it a little bit here in the spring uh he's an electric player he's really fun to watch and i think the cardinals are actually going to win the nl central i think it's a really tough division but i think they're going to be competitive win a lot of games obviously uh, and jordan hicks is going to have a lot to do with that um i think he has the upside to save 35 plus games this year very excited about jordan hicks i know a lot of people are uh but Getting that confirmation recently that that he was going to get the most save opportunities for the team, uh, that was a nice little cherry on top, Bubba. Yeah, that confirmation was big. His new pitch he has added to his arsenal is disgusting, like absolutely disgusting. So, yeah, the kid's good, very, very good. Uh, my fifth one is a closer as well. Uh, as a Giants fan, I know this guy way too well. He is a, a you know, it's the old Bull Durham theory. You know, you have a, a million-dollar arm and a, and a two-cent brain. That's Hunter Strickland. Um the second he signed with the Mariners and I looked at that roster, I knew he was going to have the go-ahead to be the closer as long as he didn't screw it up. And that's a big if with Hunter Strickland. There's a lot of metal doors in a clubhouse. There's a lot of things he can hit. 
But um, when it comes to being on the mound, he's a very, very talented pitcher with closer stuff. Uh, I witnessed it firsthand. He's already come out. This is I, I drafted all of these before the Japan series. So I, I was getting him super late because people were, were not even paying attention to him or they weren't believing in him. He's a third closer on almost every team that I have. And I'm gladly, gladly taking him this year because I, I think there's a lot of upside with him. I think he's got legit 30 save upside as well. He's not as talented as Jordan Hicks strikeout-wise, but he's very, very good. So uh, Hunter Strickland's a guy I have a lot of as a third closer on a lots of my teams. All right, Frank, that'll wrap us up this episode. Lots of great stuff there. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, and let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank. Uh, you can watch me. You can listen to me live uh, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's the Fantasy Best Friends Forever with uh, myself and my co-host, Greg Sussman. You can catch my work over on Patreon. Uh, I'm going to be writing a lot about, uh, you know, pitchers to stream on a daily basis if you play in a, in a daily transactions league. I'm uh, going to talk about fab a lot, uh, players you should add off the waiver wire, a whole bunch of stuff. So check out my Patreon. Um, I'd appreciate it very much. Thanks a lot for having me, man. No, thank you. I, I had a lot of fun. Great chatting with you. Um, we'll have to do this again sometime. Uh, really, really good stuff. So everybody go check him out on Twitter at Roto Frank and all his great work at Patreon and over at FNTSY Radio. Um, but anyway, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 156 with Frank Stamfel, talking a lot of fantasy baseball news, getting ready for the upcoming opening day. Catch you guys later. <laughs>